Hello and welcome. I'm Megan Crabtree, and one of my favorite times of the day is when I'm getting ready and can throw on a true crime case without distraction. Every week, we dive into a new case while you grab your makeup, sip your coffee, and get ready with murder. Imagine being just 22 years old and embarking on your first real big girl job. You just finished your master's degree in computer science and have less than even a year's experience in the field that you're working in, but your new employer sees the skills and qualities that you're able to bring to the table and excitedly hires you. Starting your new job like any other young, fresh into the field woman would, you're a little bit anxious, but mostly you're just really excited about what is going to come from this new opportunity. After a short while, as you're being introduced to people at your company, you meet a 35-year-old male coworker who, instead of just meeting someone and continuing about their day like any other normal person would, he decides that he is instantly in love with you. And from that moment on, your life will be forever changed by one person. This is the case of stalking Laura Black. In April of 1984, Laura Black had just finished up her master's degree and she's hired by a company called Electromagnetic Systems Laboratory or ESL as an engineer. This company supplied services to like NASA. So this was a really big deal that Laura not only got this job, but that she got it at just 22 years old and she was a woman. It was incredible. The company had around 2,200 full-time employees and contracted out a lot of work with a ton of cash flow coming in and out. And with that being the case, they had a lot of high-level security due to the nature of the type of work that they were doing. Now, as you can imagine, landing this role, Laura was awesome. She was so friendly and fun and beautiful, and her coworkers immediately got along with her and just really enjoyed her company. She was also really involved in the company in general and like the community that she was living in. She had actually like created an aerobics class for them and was the instructor among a bunch of other things. So rather quickly, Laura gained the interest of a man named Richard Farley. Richard was 35 years old at the time and he had spent 10 years in the Navy prior to working at ESL. He was single and never married or had any children. And for the most part, Richard really just like kept to himself, which was very unlike Laura who was more of a social butterfly. He really didn't like chit chat with many people at the office. He was just honestly pretty quiet. It was actually Laura's very first day in the office that she would be introduced to Richard by a coworker that was just, you know, like showing her around the facilities. And now literally immediately, Richard took this interaction and created some kind of scenario in his head that he absolutely ran with. And while Laura couldn't have known at the time by just being friendly and simply smiling at this guy it would lead him to claim that he had fallen in love with her at first sight. Richard would later say, quote, he had fallen in love with her from the moment he laid eyes on her, unquote. And boy, does that give me the ick. Let me just note too that Laura never spent time with Richard outside of a work setting. The only thing that she refers back to is having lunch one day with Richard and another coworker. And that being the only time she had ever spent like any kind of one-on-one setting with him. And keep in mind, this was a work lunch, completely professional, and there was nothing about this that would have sent like I'm into you vibes by Laura herself. But I am sure we all know that it doesn't take anything for a stalker to, well, become obsessed and stalk. Laura would be asked out by Richard multiple times in the very beginning, and she would turn him down 
every single time. She obviously just like got yucky vibes from him, but in general, she just had zero interest being romantically involved with anyone at her job. And homegirl doesn't need an explanation. She can just not be into someone and say that. But you know, I hate that we as women always feel this weird need to be polite. You do not need to be polite. And keep in mind that this poor girl is not only brand new to her job, but to the career world at all. She just graduated with her master's and this job was really important to her. So I am sure that she felt the need to remain polite to this guy, you know? Anyway, Richard's advances would not let up. He started sending gifts and cards and handmade bread, like at her desk, which is odd in and of itself to me, but okay. When the gifts weren't really leaving any kind of impression on Laura, Richard would actually end up calling her desk all throughout the workday to see what she was up to. And I mean, it really doesn't take an engineer to figure out that the girl would be, you know, working. The calls would escalate into him just like popping into her office all day and, you know, hi, how are you? What are you doing? And then later he would even start to show up at her aerobics classes that she had been instructing. And what's creepiest of all about this is the fact that Laura never told him that she was teaching these aerobics classes. So this was basically confirmation for her to realize that he was in fact following her. Poor Laura is starting to get really stressed out, right? I mean, I would be really dang stressed out too. Unfortunately, this wouldn't even be the tip of the iceberg with Richard. After his advances continued to fail, he started leaving love letters on her vehicle. And he even abused his power at work by going through company records and finding out what her personal phone number and address were. Ew. Now, the coworkers at ESL started to begin to notice like how odd Richard's behavior had become toward Laura. In fact, Richard had become so obsessed that he ended up befriending a coworker in the custodial department so that he could gain access to the building's keys and make a personal copy. Now, when he did this, he ended up using that key to gain access to Laura's office after hours and like go through her personal belongings. In an effort to get to know more about her, he felt like by doing this, it's like he knew her. He had this weird connection to her now as he's, you know, going through all of her personal stuff. And like in his head, he was convinced that they had a relationship beyond being colleagues. That's what he thought. Guys, this just gets wackadoo. So buckle up. Richard started using like reverse psychology on Laura. He would call her home phone and basically say like, if you don't want to go on a date with me tonight, then call me back. But if you do want to go on a date with me tonight, don't call me and I'll be there at seven. And then this psycho would show up on her doorstep ready to go out at seven o'clock. Beyond that, he started just straight up parking his car in Laura's driveway and chilling there for hours. And Laura obviously spotted him multiple times and she would see him trying to figure out like the house code to get into her garage. Oh, and this dude even tried to rent out the apartment next to hers. And so obviously Laura finds out and she moves, thank God. Poor Laura would end up having to move for times because every time she did, he would find her. So by 1985, around a year after this behavior had started, Laura is obviously to the point of being scared of Richard. So she actually ends up finally reaching out to the HR department at ELS. And I'm sure you're like, whoa, 
why did it take her so long to say something? But honestly, I feel for her because guys, this was a totally different time. She was a young woman in a male-dominated work environment, and I'm sure that she felt like she had a lot to prove. The last thing Laura would have wanted was for ELS to look at her and think that she's like some kind of drama-causing employee, even though it was totally the other way around, you know? So HR would respond by sending Richard to a psychological counseling center. And I don't really know how I feel here. I mean, yes, he clearly needed some kind of psychological help, but this situation has gotten so out of control that this man needed to be fired like immediately. But again, I am guessing since this was the first time that HR was notified that they were trying to give the benefit of the doubt. I don't know. So after he attends counseling, honestly nothing changes. His stalking and obsession actually never stopped while he was receiving counseling and just continued to escalate. In May of 1986, Richard had ended up threatening his colleagues, like legit threatening their lives. And his work performance began to crumble, which honestly doesn't even seem important at all at this point. But it was important to ESL, so they finally fire him. But here's the thing. Now, Richard doesn't have a job and he has even more time to stalk Laura. He would legit just like park his car in the ESL parking lot and watch for her. Shockingly, Richard actually began seeing a woman at this time. And while he's dating this woman, he is still stalking Laura. Are you kidding me? Beyond all of that, his life was falling apart personally. His house had gone into foreclosure and the IRS was actually investigating him for unpaid taxes, even through all of that. He never gave up his obsession with Laura. This dude goes so far as to tell Laura that they need to have marriage counseling. Yeah, you heard me correctly. And he also names Laura as the sole beneficiary of his life insurance policies. Like this guy was living in Delulu land. So in January of 1988, Laura ends up receiving a really creepy package that was placed on the windshield of her car. Inside of that package was a copy of the key to her new apartment and a note. At this point too, Richard is losing his quote unquote patience with Laura and straight up tells her that she is going to be with him and he has guns. And if she doesn't listen to him, that it's going to be bad for her. Laura's life is just falling apart at this point. She's been dealing with this guy for four years. And now it was actually starting to affect her job because remember how I said that this was a really high security location with all kinds of data that needed to be protected? Well, Richard's constant presence had started to affect Laura being able to obtain security clearance at ESL. And I think that this was probably the point where she knew that she had to file a restraining order. This job meant everything to her. And she knew that it was a risk as long as Richard was hanging around her. So by February 2nd of 1988, she had filed the restraining order, which was temporary, but she had a hearing set for February 17th to make the order a permanent one. And here's the thing before anyone says it. Yes, she waited a long time to file a restraining order, but her fear was that filing one would trigger him to escalate. And I hate to say it, but she was right. On February 8th, Richard was served with this restraining order and he was mad, just like Laura expected. The restraining order had completely set him off. 
The following day, he sends Laura's attorney a package that was essentially describing their long-term love affair with like fake receipts to restaurants that they went on dates to. It was crazy. Two days later, Richard goes and he purchases a shotgun and a ton of ammunition. And this guy goes to a shooting range and requests to shoot at, quote, man-shaped targets, unquote. I mean, what? So February 16th, the day before the court date for the permanent restraining order, Richard drives his motor home into the ESL parking lot and just spent a little while like sitting there waiting for Laura. Richard later claims that he was there so that he could talk to Laura about dropping the restraining order. And if she said no, his plan was going to be to kill himself in front of her. Unfortunately, that is not what would happen. Around 3 p.m. that day, Richard leaves his motor home, shotgun in tow, and starts to head into the ESL building. Richard hadn't even made it into the building before he encountered a previous co-worker, Larry Kane, who was actually on good terms with him, and he ended up shooting him in the parking lot, and Larry would be the very first victim of a mass murder. Richard then walked into the building, making his way to Laura's office. He was shooting anyone that came into his path. It was absolute chaos. People were running and hiding in any place that they could find, escaping through fire escapes, just trying anything they could to get away from the gunfire immediately. And this is how you know how serious this was. People knew immediately that it was Richard shooting without needing literally any kind of confirmation. They just knew that he was going to escalate to that point. So Richard makes his way to Laura's office. And when he gets there, Laura actually manages to get her office door shut, but he shoots through the door and he does end up hitting Laura in the shoulder, severely wounding her. Interestingly here, he just walks away. Like he doesn't continue to go into the office to make sure she's dead. He just walks away. Now, even more oddly, Richard comes across a woman who is hiding under a desk and it was actually his former landlady. And Richard just like talks to her and he's like, oh, you're hiding in here? well, you can get up and leave. And of course, this poor girl is like, no, bro, you're going to shoot me. But Richard reassures her like, nope, I'm not going to hurt you. You can get up and go. And so she does. And he really does not shoot her. There was also another woman nearby that heard this whole conversation and asked Richard if she could leave too. And he's like, yep, go ahead. I don't know if it was just like he thought he'd killed Laura and like his job was complete or what. But this whole interaction is so strange. So Richard contacts ESL security, who connects him to SWAT. And this is where a five-hour standoff would take place. Richard ends up letting SWAT come into the first floor to get the injured people off of the floor. And while all of this is going down, Laura actually wakes up. And she starts trying to stop the bleeding that's coming from her wound. She was able to get up and run to a few other co-workers that were hiding, and they all managed to get out of that building together. Absolutely insane. So Laura was immediately taken by ambulance to the hospital and treated for a broken arm, collapsed lung, damaged spinal cord, and severe blood loss. She had multiple surgeries and was in the hospital for 19 days But she survived. At 8.30 p.m. that night, Richard decides to surrender because (laughs) y'all gonna flip. He decided to surrender because he was hungry. So he legit negotiates getting a sandwich and a soda and he would surrender. And this is exactly what happens. This disgusting excuse for a human ended up murdering seven people that day and injuring four more. He shot 98 
rounds. Now, the next day was actually the court hearing for that permanent restraining order. And to no one's shock, Laura was granted that. Now, in court, Richard would admit to the murders, but he tried to say that it was not premeditated. And shockingly, his attorney claimed Farley was not a violent man and that his obsession with Black momentarily clouded his judgment. He actually claimed that Farley would likely never kill again. You know, just murdered seven people for no reason at all, but I'll never kill anybody again. Whatever. The prosecution presented the court with years worth of stalking evidence, his shotgun and ammunition purchases made a week before the massacre, and his history with collecting weapons. They painted a clear image of who Richard Farley really was, a callous murderer, and all of this proved the point that Farley took careful steps to plan the massacre, and there was premeditation involved. So on October 21st, 1991, Farley was convicted on all seven counts of first degree murder and he was sentenced to death. Richard's mother and girlfriend, because remember, homeboy was like randomly dating somebody. Um, They were both totally shocked by this. Richard's mom actually had no idea that Laura even existed, which is wild to me because... Richard didn't shut up about Laura. So he obviously had the wherewithal that he looked cuckoo nutman if he was talking about her to his mommy. So he had some kind of brain in there. Richard insists that he let Laura live, writing to a friend from prison saying essentially that he wanted her to live and if he wanted her dead, then he would have killed her that day. He wanted her to see the aftermath of everything. Long story short, he's a psychopath. So Richard would write a final letter to Laura from prison claiming that she had won. And as of 2022, this bro is still on death row and our girl Laura went on to be successful at ESL. Yes, she continued to work for that company after this whole thing and finally lived a life free of Richard Farley. Well, guys, that is the case for today. I hope you enjoyed getting ready with me today, and I hope that you have the best day ever. Stay aware and stay safe out there. Bye.